Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash petty revenge, where OP gets his boss fired in a truly spectacular fashion. Our next Reddit post is from Garnet Blanco. Mid-pandemic, my boss just disappeared. Just as we were gearing up for our most challenging, time-intensive project in the last five years, he just dropped off the face of the earth. We kept working for a week or so without him because everything was virtual and the virtual work world was still so new, so we didn't really need him. We were delegating tasks ourselves and completing things on our own. We spoke to coworkers maybe twice a week. But some decisions were beyond our discretion, so we couldn't move forward in those aspects of the project until we received a response from him. After about 10 days of silence, we called his boss's boss, who informed our team that our boss had COVID, so he wasn't able to work right now. We took that at face value and, of course, sent him letters of well wishes and didn't bother him with work stuff or ask why he was able to notify his boss, but not us. Three weeks go by. Still not a word. We're beginning to discuss amongst ourselves whether or not maybe he died. We're terrified and horrified and so concerned. We're contemplating calling his extended family. We're sending flowers and care packages to his apartment. Meanwhile, the project has descended into chaos because no leader was appointed in our boss's stead. So we're forced to navigate several layers of bureaucracy to accomplish anything. Whereas, in the past, our boss would just sign off on things in real time. Around week 4 or 5, one of our coworkers suggests that our boss doesn't really have COVID, but instead is using it as an excuse to take time off. We jump all over our coworker, asking how could he insinuate something like that and lamenting about what a tragedy our boss is probably living through. People were chilly to that coworker for days after that. Week 7. We're undertaking a letter writing campaign to upper management, demanding an acting boss be appointed while ours is still recovering. The project is a month behind schedule. We're all working overtime every day, sometimes on weekends, without extra compensation, just to keep up with this mess of the boss's sudden absence. Week 8. Our boss finally reappears, logging into a morning meeting as though nothing happened. He looks well-rested, well-fed, and he has a tan. He doesn't look at all like someone who's just come out of the other side of a six-week respiratory virus. He quickly said something to the effect of, Yeah, that was brutal. Glad to be better and glad to be back. Let's get to work. But he doesn't want to talk about what happened or answer any of our questions, like, Were you in the hospital? What was it like? Etc. Fast forward to about four or five months after this. My sister sends me a promo for a fairly new reality TV show and says, Isn't this guy a friend of yours or something? I swear I've seen him and you together. I watch the trailer for the show, and lo and behold, there's my boss participating as a contestant on a reality TV show. It did not take me long to put together the pieces and realize that he took extended leave to go on TV, knowing that he would never be able to do that otherwise because of this massive project, and then lied about it under the guise of a vicious disease that nearly all of us had lost a loved one to. I sit and stew with this information, unsure of how to handle it. I know that confronting him won't get me very far, but I can't just do nothing, right? I'm not close enough with any of my colleagues to discuss this with them and trust that they wouldn't run off and send an all-company email about it. So, I slept on it for a few nights, and then the opportunity fell right in my lap. I got an email from corporate encouraging teams still working remotely to plan virtual social functions to keep a collegial culture going and to stay in touch. Among the suggestions were game night, trivia, and a watch party. 
With the premiere of this show only a couple of weeks away, I got busy telling everyone how I'd been meaning to get into the show, how it's so enticing and exciting. Basically, laying the groundwork to guilt them into coming to an impromptu virtual watch party off hours. I offered to get special shirts made up and send them to each person's house. I was willing to do anything I had to do to get the attention of corporates. Finally, I sent an evite to all of my bosses, bosses, and any other members of corporate that I could justify inviting without making a total fool of myself. Because this was entirely virtual, my boss was unable to overhear any of the chatter, and he doesn't realize that I'm hyping up this show, and he doesn't realize I've planned a watch party for it. I wasn't inviting him until he had the balls to explicitly ask about it. I was hoping that he wouldn't have heard about it at all, not until afterwards. That was really the only way this could work. The night of the premiere comes, and I'm screen sharing the window to a whopping 64 people. This is a huge chunk of my department. Many members of corporate had showed up, because I was the only person stupid enough to buy into their virtual social work party scheme, so they felt pressure to support it. I was holding my breath, hoping this would go my way, bracing myself for some kind of curveball. But there wasn't even that dramatic of a build-up. Right at the outset, they introduced the premise, which included the contestants being in a COVID-safe bubble in an exotic location, and gave a brief overview of each contestant. As my boss was introduced, right down to what he did for work, I could see the other people register delight and then surprise, and then go blank. Just before sliding into confusion and rage, the chat took a drastic turn. Things started positive with people saying, oh my goodness, and then someone sent the message, wait, when was this filmed? My audience dropped from 64 people to 58, down to 30, and by the time the episode was over, it was just me and the other 15 core members of the team. Someone asked me if I already knew the boss was on the show, but some team members are really close to the boss, so all I said was, well, I definitely do now, and I wrapped the call up pretty quickly after that. Perhaps one of the best bonuses is that you could already tell from episode 1 that the character arc the show assigned to our boss was the bumbling idiot. Our boss got fired. My good buddy was promoted to his place. I am now an office legend, especially since no one is 100% sure whether or not this was intentional. This was all so satisfying that it was almost worth the dozens of hours of uncompensated overtime that led to it. Down in the comment, Donald Turnip asks, did he just not realize that he was going to be on TV? OP replies, see, this is the part that I really don't understand either, and I've spent a considerable amount of time trying to game it out. The best I can figure is he assumed that it wasn't a popular show, so maybe someone would potentially say, I saw a guy you work with on this show, and he hoped that whichever boss heard it wouldn't follow up, but that, in all likelihood, it just wouldn't be popular enough to get seen. Or, and this is what my coworkers all think, that he figured he'd have plenty of time to figure out a decent excuse, and either he didn't, or he tried whatever excuse he'd prepared, and it flopped. But, personally, I never underestimate hubris, and I definitely haven't ruled out the possibility that he just thought that no one would find out, or that he would outsmart them. OP, as someone who's a professional influencer, I think I can give some extra insight here. I think that probably what he thought was either the show would be popular or it would be unpopular. And if it's unpopular, then like no one would see it. So what's the harm, right? 
But if it was popular, then someone from the office would probably see it. But at that point, it wouldn't even matter because if the show takes off, then so would his social media career. And then he could be an influencer because that's kind of like the thing nowadays, right? People don't really go on reality TV show to be on the reality TV show. They go on the reality TV show because they want to promote their YouTube or their podcast or their Instagram or their music or whatever. Honestly, it's actually kind of crazy just how effective this is. Okay, so let me give you some frame of reference here because I think most people don't realize just how crazy this is. I'm a YouTuber who has 1.8 million subscribers, so I'm not like massive, I'm not like Mr. Beast level huge, but like I'm pretty large, I'm a pretty sizable YouTuber, and I also have a podcast, and obviously my YouTube success has like filtered over into my podcast, and my podcast has grown huge. My podcast is in the top 0.05% of all podcasts globally. Now, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying this because this should give you a frame of reference to the next thing that I'm about to say. Nick Vile was a contestant on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for like three seasons, I want to say. And from that, he started a podcast called The Vile Files. His podcast is in the top 0.01% of all podcasts. So me, I'm in the top 0.05% of all podcasts, but he's in the top 0.01%. I know that doesn't seem like a big difference, 0.05 to 0.01, but every single number that you go up is a huge audience difference. So this guy probably has a podcast that's, if I had to guess, double my size. Another podcast that's in the top 0.01% is the H3 podcast. Yeah, so Impulsive with Logan Paul is also top 0.01%. Tiny Meat Gang podcast, also 0.01%. So Nick Vile has created a podcast that's on the same level as absolute titans in the world of YouTube. Logan Paul, David Dobrik, The Kleins, and all he did was show up on a reality TV show. So without exaggeration, we're talking millions of dollars in yearly revenue that this guy is making just because he was on reality TV. So it's wild. It's really crazy. If you want to be an influencer in 2021, one of the fastest shortcuts to making a lot of money really quickly is to get on a really popular reality TV show and then use that as a platform to launch your social media career. I'm not really sure if this is interesting to people, but I'm in the world of podcasts and social media and influencing. So I find it all really interesting how someone can just be pretty and show up on a TV show and date another pretty person on a tropical island for like two months, and then they go home and they start an Instagram, and next thing you know, they're making a million dollars a year. Like, that's just crazy to me. So my guess, OP, is this guy figured that if the show got really popular, then he would just pull a Nick Vile and start a podcast or an Instagram or whatever, and then it wouldn't matter if anyone at the office found out because he'd have some other social media job where he'd be making, you know, 10 times as much money. Either way, OP, this was an impressive story. Petty revenge feels more like pro revenge to me. I know that a lot of my fans listen to my podcast while they're out running errands. What if I told you that while you're listening to my podcast running errands, you could also be earning money? Get Upside is an app that lets you get cash back from locations like gas stations and grocery stores. And Get Upside doesn't give you coupons or points, it gives you cold, hard cash. It's super easy to use. Just download it to your phone, check in at an approved location when you make a purchase, and bam! You could get up to 25 cents per gallon cash back on gas deposited right into your GetUpside account. You can use that cash at Amazon, Starbucks, or just transfer it into your bank account. The average user earns about $150 per year. 
Imagine making over a hundred bucks just by downloading an app. Download the free app, get upside, and use promo code SLASH to get up to 50 cents cash back per gallon on your first tank. That's promo code SLASH. Our next Reddit post is from Olive Orchid. When I was an undergrad, a famous American singer's son went to my school. He was awful. He had a reputation for beating people up at parties and brutally performing the R-word crime to women on campus. This guy and his brother were both arrested for assault a few years back. Some women came forward to testify against him and his dad's response was, Boys will be boys! His son was only suspended for a few months when he should have been expelled and never allowed back on campus. I never had classes with the guy and didn't know him personally, but I knew what he looked like and always steered clear. One day, I noticed that he was walking in front of me and he dropped his student ID card without noticing. I'm not sure if all universities are like this, but our IDs also stored our meal plans. And you could purchase credit to put on the card to buy snacks at the school bodega. Anyway, I picked up his ID and went straight to the dining hall. I used up his entire meal plan, buying food for every student I saw. To be honest, there were only like seven meals left, but still. I used all the credit he had on his ID card to buy food at the school bodega and gave it to classmates who couldn't afford meal plans. After I finished, I cut his card in half and threw it in the trash. I know that what I did was super petty, but it kind of felt really good considering all the messed up stuff he did to other people. Our next Reddit post is from Dominiza. We recently launched a project to a select group of beta testers. Late on a Sunday evening, when I'm not paid to be on call, I get an email from the boss CCing everyone involved in the project that the site is down. He wants me to fix the problem urgently because this makes the company look bad. He adds a screenshot of the problem. I'm really glad for the screenshot. I didn't even need to open my laptop to see what the problem was. I'm mildly peeved at the tone of the email, and I don't think including everyone plus a janitor was really necessary. So, I reply all to his email, saying that the reason the boss is getting that error is because you typed the wrong website into your browser. I got a sheepish email from him the next day, saying that, no, it was actually one of the beta testers that sent the screenshot. All he did was forward the screenshot to me, and he was glad that it wasn't actually a problem. Sure, buddy. This was very petty, but I got a kick out of it. That was our slash petty revenge, and if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.